0: Welcome to Aussie Ambitions Podcast, where we meet with everyday Aussies that are pushing ahead with their goals and ambitions in life. Join your host, Scott Robert Springer, to explore the future of entrepreneurship, work-life balance, and reaching beyond your comfort zone. So stay tuned for some tips on living life the Aussie way. Welcome to the Aussie Ambitions Podcast. We are very excited to have a guest with us today who actually has a sidekick. His name is Murphy, and our guest today is Ron Pia. How are you, Ron? Oh, good. Thank you. Great to be here. So, Ron is in the world of canine lifestyle consulting. He's the founder of the Pet Calmer, um, and also he's got a project called Pet Tunes. So, we're going to look at all of this today. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, Ron?
1: Uh, sure. Yeah. Look, I'm uh, I'm an old fellow. Um, many years ago, when I was a lot younger, I started uh, an interest in dogs and uh, when i was about 13 i was actually started showing showing cocker spaniels and became pretty efficient in uh, grooming and i had a, a, a grooming service at home now uh, that's where my dog's interest started but uh, i was a bit of a lonesome child you know i didn't mix mix very well and I spent a lot of time with my spaniels and it's only now in these latter years of my life that I've actually learned what they actually taught me. Um, I have uh, the ability to talk to dogs, learn, uh, work with their behaviours and
0: solve their owner's uh, problem behaviours. Okay, so it, and is that something that's, um, uh, you've got a large number of large number of animals? Is it just canines or you, you look beyond uh, that? Uh,
1: well, I'm working now with cats as well, uh, particularly with anxiety uh, in that aspect. But you mentioned about the Pet Karma and that is a uh, business that's uh, solely dedicated to animal anxiety. And we uh, have natural solutions for calming anxiety in uh, dogs, cats, horses and and pet birds. Okay.
0: We, uh, we definitely enjoyed going through your website to just get up to speed with this? Because it's one of those topics where people are probably not... Actually, maybe they are researching for themselves if they have a noticed a problem in their behavior. But do you find that people are coming to you in a mode of desperation? Or is it more like curiosity about, I've noticed this problem? How drastic is it when they're in touch with you?
1: Um, initially, it is desperation. Uh, because people buy puppies, for instance, and they take them home and tried to get them to be part of the family. But the the biggest difficulty pet owners have, or particularly dog owners, is actually understanding how a dog actually works. And the uh, dogs are very visual communicators. They watch their owners very closely for behavioural signals. And often they get confused. And that's what causes the anxiety. Now, People go to their veterinarian, which is the correct thing to do, to try and work out a remedy for this. But it can, and others, you know, try to work it out from friends' recommendations. And that generally aggravates the whole situation. So eventually they come to the stage that they've been through all the treatments and they still haven't solved the problem. And uh, then they'll come looking at, uh, at our products.
0: Okay. Um and so, it's, so you mentioned vets being a point of, part of it, of course. Um, oh, it's an important part because, you know, anxiety isn't, it can also be tri- triggered by medical issues. Right. So in, from a holistic point of view, um, do you have to then monitor lots of different things, maybe be up to speed on their diet or their exercise regime and so on? All of that is part of it. All, all of that is part of
1: it. When you're working with animals, um, they're... Uh, how would I say this? They're like a mechanism. you know. If they've got the right food, the right fuel, they're consuming the right fuel, the dog will actually grow correctly, the organs will grow correctly, the legs will grow correctly, the joints will grow correctly, and they will develop into good, good pets. But if that's not the case, that you're getting issues with like crucial ligaments or joint displacements or um, itchy skin, tummy uh, upsets, you know, the dog is going to start to stress. Mm. So what the veterinarian's job is, is to be the investigator, act and find out and test um, what is actually causing the stress and the anxiety. Now, it may not be anything medical. It can be purely behavioural. And that's why dogs are very sensitive to their
0: environments, because that's how they determine their behavior. Hmm, okay. Um, I'm curious about the, um, uh, obviously there's there's breeds. So dogs. Different, different di- dog breeds, di- yes. Perhaps personalities that come into it or maybe pre- predisposed to high energy or. Um, Look,
1: d- sort of the... Uh, the, do- the reason why we have dog breeds is because they've been bred for a purpose. Uh, you know, we have a West Highland Terrier here. This is this is actually a working dog. Its original dog dog was to work on the farms uh, in Scotland and and uh, the upper regions of England. Now you also have uh, spaniels, which uh, are hunting dogs that were used for hunting, and hounds for uh, flushing out foxes and vermin. And then there's also, say, dogs like poodles, maltese, you know, which are social dogs. So. Dogs all have a, have a different purpose that they were bred for. That's why we get different shapes and personalities in them.
0: Mm. And what about uh, from a generational, uh, in, in the breeding sense of if there was a, a line or a breed and the, the parent breed was more, was an anxious dog, had some imbalance, and then there was a set of uh, puppies. Would the puppies have any kind of genetic genetic link? Is there anything that you've heard of there?
1: Uh, yeah, look. The, the, because you've got dog breeds, you've got genetics, because that's actually what sort of determines how the puppies are going to form to, to look like the breed. So, uh, but with uh, genetics, that's a that's a uh, a very scientific area because you can have inbreeding and outbreeding, and you've got to watch your genetics because if it's too close, it can produce hereditary problems. But with the, uh, the, the pet dog that we have, uh, say, here on the Gold Coast particularly, it's the same as pet dogs in New York or pet dogs in Africa or pet dogs in Germany, all around the world. All the dogs actually behave the same. They have the same language, which is an interesting thing because, you know, they. I think they've got things worked out a lot better than we do. Look at us. We've got so many languages and we get so confused with each other. But the dog behaviour... Uh, is is the same. Now, what happens uh, with our pets is their learning period is really in the the infant puppy stage. You can actually teach a dog from four weeks to sixteen weeks everything it needs to know. They're, they're like super sponges at that that particular time. We separate our puppies out of their litter at eight weeks, so the learning period from eight weeks onwards is dependent on the owners of of the, uh, the pup. Now if the owners are not conversant of how a dog learns, they can very easily teach dogs the wrong behaviour. Now how do, dog, how do we work out whether it's a wrong behaviour or not? The dog doesn't. He does things to get a result. So uh, it's us as people we determine whether a dog's behaviour is acceptable excuse me, or non-acceptable. The dog has already worked it out that if I do this, I get that. And if that's the best thing I can get, I'll keep doing this.
0: That's interesting. So I, I, I noted that you mentioned language and even in the intro, you were mentioning about communication and perhaps it's not just, um well it's maybe perhaps what they see or a tone. Uh, is there one primary, I guess, tool or are they more receptive to visual cues or smell, or disconditioning. Well, let's just take Murphy here.
1: When we arrived today in your studio, right. you know what did Murphy do? First thing he he looked at you, then he put his nose to the floor. He searched around, and then he suddenly discovered a rubbish bin, which looked very appetising to him. So he investigated. So they used their their senses of smell, no uh, sight, and more importantly their ears, their hearing. Their hearing is the most sensitive part of what determines their behaviour because if you've got a, a a quiet environment like we have here, he's gone to sleep, he's relaxed. Get so if we've got a very noisy, high-pitched band playing here, he'll be up alert and dancing all over the place, you know, quite anxious. So what they hear actually determines how they're going to respond to the sounds. So really it's all visual things. So when it comes to training your dog, one of the most important things is to take advantage of giving him a calm calm environment, using the visual so he can focus on what you're you're trying to teach him. And we're using treats, sense as as the rewards, you know, to keep that interest up initially. So uh, they, they are very important elements of how the dog, you know, wants to live. And, once, um, and you know, I encourage people to actually smile at their dogs because when, they, when you smile, your facial expression changes and they're watching your, your face, your body and uh, the way that you behave to determine what's going to happen for them next. So when you smile, they become very happy and attentive
0: interesting um i am um, thinking about the exactly that so there's a smile and it's 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 triggering response and a positive you know, uh feedback loop and and so on so i'm interested in the biology of it i don't know has there been any studies Oops, oh sorry. there he goes yeah w- sorry w- i'm w- making a bit of noise it's all right good job
1: um
0: i was just curious about the i guess the world of information that's available on um, how people can educate themselves on some of this stuff. Like, is it? Are you self-taught, or is is, is there an institution well, uh, that covers look, this?
1: I, as I mentioned uh, when we first started, I spent a lot of time as a child with my dogs, and they are actually the ones that actually taught me pretty well what I know today, uh, because we worked together. Uh, we used to do uh, show ring, uh, we did um, agility trials, and we also did um, uh, field. We have field trials, so, you know, that's retrieving and gun work. And when you're working with the dogs, you know, you've got to train them. So you find out what's, uh, what's the best way to train them and what, how quickly they can respond to, uh, to a new lesson. So, yeah, my dogs taught me that. And it's interesting, I've gone through life um, uh, as self-employed. I've started many, uh, quite a number of businesses uh, uh, through my life. And now that um, I've actually retired from those businesses, I'm back to actually the behaviour of dogs again.
0: That's neat. Um, And how does that feel uh, uh, going through all those phases? I mean... Do you, is it more liberating in the sense that you don't have the stress of maybe a business and the overhead and uh, all of that?
1: Yeah, look, the, uh, the businesses, um, or business is always a stress when you have, uh, you know, a number of employees and finances and you go through a credit squeeze and you go through trying to run a business on 25% interest rates and all those sort of things. And, and that's how it has been for the last, you know, 40 years, you know, running, running businesses in, in this country. Uh, now that I don't have to do that, I still run a business as the pet karma, but it's a uh, small product, easy to ship, and highly effective. So it's given me purpose. And that's where I, I, why I get so enthusiastic about making a difference for people with their animals and anxiety, because uh, anxiety is the key issue that veterinarians, uh, the Veterinary Association, both this country and in in America have recognised anxiety as one of their leading causes to pet illness. So I'm in an area now where I feel as though I can make a little dent, you know, in that 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 space for pet owners uh, to have a really good life with their animals, and also uh, try and offset some some of the animals going into rescues, mm-hmm. you know, because. You know that's one of the issue behaviors and how to handle them and how to live together is one of the big issues. So when you say um, I'm a, a consultant, that's what I I do. I set up people homes with their animals so they can live together and they can actually blossom a relationship.
0: Okay, that's an interesting point. I, I just want to reinforce that to see if I've got that right. So the pet, the pets themselves can experience anxiety, in their. It's, in their uh, in their home, in their yeah. home, yeah.
1: If they're not sure that they're safe, they feel safe. What a what a what a dog and a cat value the most, and a horse, uh, and a bird, and what they value the most is actually living in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Right. And the way that they're determining their safe environment is by what they hear, what they see, and uh, and how to uh, to react to behavioral responses.
0: So it might be environmental. Uh, maybe the start of it is it's somewhat environmental or the dog's been introduced and it's just the balance isn't there. But then does the anxiety flow on to the owners? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah, It flows both ways. And then, then it's probably it escalates.
1: It's probably not it a great scenario. And, and um, there's been a lot of work done in that area, particularly with therapy dogs. And mm. one of the reasons for the good work with therapy dogs is because dogs can calm Now a number of therapy dogs may be breeds like Labradors, pretty placid sort of breeds so they can actually go into a calm state or make quick connections with their uh, with their owners or their clients and that actually helps people go calm as well and you might have read that in a, on a number of other reports where uh, my dog has made me feel better. So dogs have a, a huge benefit that way. But on the other hand, you know, if dogs go into an environment that is highly um, uh, activated, highly noisy, mm. highly stressful for them, um, they're going to get anxious and that'll trigger their owners to get into anxious to know what to do about it.
0: Mm. I, um, you mentioned therapy dogs. I'm not sure exactly how that comes to be. Are they? Is it coming from the medical side of things where people are um, it's a re- like a recognized treatment or some kind of companionship? Oh, yeah. Well,
1: yeah, it's an emotional treatment. Emotional yes,
0: treatment. yes. And mm. are they in short supply? Like, is there a therapy
1: dogs? Um, well, I, I, they they possibly can. I haven't done the figures on it, but you know they're a very expensive item to produce. Okay, so there's a yeah. maybe a yeah. Cot, there's a there's, cost there's more demand than supply, if that's if that's what you're asking. But uh, it's the same with uh, guide dogs too. You know, they're they're
0: uh, very expensive dogs to produce. Okay takes a while for them to be trained. But um, sorry, would you say that the therapy dogs is more? It's like a certification where
1: oh, it is. Yes, there's there's a number of organisations such as uh, Delta Dogs uh, who are uh, well recognised as trainers for therapy dogs. So people can actually nominate their own dog and be trained in uh, therapy. So uh, very very useful for aged care or for um, autistic children. Uh, also dogs are being taught to help children read. So they've got a lot of different benefits that a dog can do, uh, use, and we're really at this time in our lives only just discovering the surface of what the capabilities of dogs are in our society.
0: That's neat. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about the, um, again, just the that balance of, you know, pets in the home and then just the care needed. And, and I was always wondering about the, uh, not the regulation, but it's mostly around if you were to be a pet owner, there's no license to be a pet owner and there's no real... Uh, well, the license you need is to own a
1: pet, which is a oh, council yeah. license. I see. Right? So there is that but, such a thing? Oh, yes. Well, you know, if you, if you have a uh, own pets on the Gold Coast, for instance, you've got to register them with the council. Okay. Uh, but that doesn't actually guarantee you knowing how to care for a pet. That's just for the council to know how many it has and that things are under control within its um, uh, districts uh, with animal control and animal management. but the uh, <coughs> owning a pet you know does take a little bit of uh, knowledge and understanding and what I talk about all the time is not trying to, Get the pets to do things, but rather educate the owners as to how the pet thinks and uh, set the house up so that it's suitable for them to actually uh, have relaxed behaviours. And when that happens, owners are relaxed, and they and they start to understand how it how a dog thinks, and uh, you alleviate a lot of the problems
0: okay. uh,
1: with uh, animals.
0: Okay, um, so heading into the world of, uh, I guess perhaps music and a bit of the benefits of music. I think adults can benefit. There's probably lots of studies on that. I'll look into it. But is that the main uh, stream of, um, are we talking about audio and actual like
1: Uh, music? Yes, as I I mentioned before, you know, the, the, the dogs and the cats and the horses and the birds, they use their hearing to actually determine whether they are in a safe or a threatening environment. You're right. Let me go over there it's better. Uh, And because the the dog's hearing, for instance, instance, is measured over two times our hearing frequency, they hear things we do not. And in that higher frequency range are frequencies that trigger anxiety and changes of behaviour. Similarly with uh, cats, cats are even uh, three times more sensitive to sounds than what we are. And uh, they are... Uh, you know, they can get a lot of anxiety and display that through bad behaviour, such as uh, urination in the house, random urination, or howling, or screeching, or wanting to uh, to prowl, or be aggressive. When a cat is aggressive, you know that it's got an anxiety issue.
0: I remember looking at that graph on your website, which highlights the, the different animal species and the frequencies at which they're most sensitive. So that was quite vivid for me. And it made me think um, humans are at the low end of that scale, uh, frequencies. But then in the home, you may not be aware that there's these rogue frequencies. Do you think uh, is a home um, liable to have like all these external frequencies coming in, whether it's like a high-pitched whine from a computer monitor or it's a mobile phone or something like that? I'll give you an example. Yeah. you know we we suffer from thunderstorms you know we're in thunderstorm season
1: on, on the uh, northern tropics right, right? and uh, pet owners will probably have seen this that when a storm is about to come the dogs and the cats are alert they're all, they're already uh, they're already showing that there's uh, a reaction to the sounds their ears are up they're pointing in a the direction they're feeling agitated they're uneasy they can hear that uh, that uh, sound that we can't, and normally it's a percussion sound. And thunderstorms are percussion sounds that trigger that behaviour.
0: Wow, um, yeah. Well, I think that's that's all part of it. And so, what you've got here is something you've been working on for for a while. He's a good he's a good uh, product pitch pitch uh, pitch man. <laughs> you, you bring him around with you everywhere, or
1: uh, no, no, he comes in for he comes in for daycare. So we thought we'd bring him along today because. <laughs> Murphy's a Murphy's a little bit of a rascal, but he's he's, he's a pretty good dog. Oh, it's been great. No, we're going to do yeah, an episode. Right. We got a dog yeah, episode. I, this, I was a bit whether you'd he sit here for this period, but he's doing. Uh, well. Oh, he's good, Andrew, and
0: we'll Andrew, we'll, yes. we'll be guided by you on that. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple of studio cats for people that haven't yet picked up on that. Um, they haven't made an appearance yet, but I'm sure they'll hop up here one of these <laughs> days. Um, So yeah, the theme of the podcast is really just uh, hearing some interesting stories about what's happening on the Gold Coast, in Queensland, in Australia, for a lot of people overseas that have not yet traveled here, or they don't, um, they're just curious about the Australian life and uh, what it's been like. But um, so yourself, you've you've started this, uh, basically, it's not only a consultation business, but you've got products uh, to be able to support that as well. Is that um, take up Uh, a lot of your time?
1: uh, Well, yes, I I put a lot of time into it because... uh, uh, the product that the Pet Karma um, has on its website is called Pet Tunes. Now, this is actually a science into the hearing frequencies of the dogs and the cats. And the music's been specially produced for their hearing frequency to divert the alert frequencies that change there or cause the anxiety behaviours and put them into the calm behavioural state. So, um, and I... Why I think this is uh, such a uh, a unique uh, product is that a lot of anxiety issues are uh, tried to be solved through medications or um, um, aggressive be- behavioral changes. Right? Um, where there's two ways to approach anxiety. One is you actually mask the problem, medicate the dogs, or the other way is you go to the source of the problem and change the source. So that's what we've uh, we've actually done. And the music has been uh, scientifically produced and researched. It's taken 17 years of research to do this, uh, to put the dogs into a calm state naturally and hold them into that state. So it is specially music digitalised for their their hearing frequency. Now, the difference between this and, say, just playing music uh, is that Mu- oh, cat turned up, <laughs> is, uh, is that um, music is, you know, you've got your wings, your strings and your percussion instruments, okay. right? Classical music is composed of those three. Now, percussion is one of the trigger frequencies for agitation. So this music has been primarily produced with strings and winds and then modified again to, uh, for the dog's hearing frequency, and then modified for the cat's hearing frequency, and we have another one for, for the horses, which is on their, uh, their tempos. Horses have certain uh, resting tempos. Uh, that's what, uh, When you play the pet tunes, you can actually have that consistency of sound. When you play your TV, radio or such, you may have strings, but then you may have percussion too. So you're actually bringing your dog into a calm, popping him out of that, down, out, and that teaches the dog not to be in a calm state at all.
0: Mm-hmm. How's he doing there?
1: I don't know. I, I, think, he's, I think he wants to say something. <laughs> it's, all right. it's all right. Good boy.
0: No problem. Good boy. Good job. Um, yeah, well, I think the uh, the amount of research and the amount of uh, supporting aspects of that is is impressive and it's, uh, I guess it's, is it through the use of it so anyone can try this? Is that the idea? Well. Or do you need uh, it through a vet to?
1: Uh, no, no, no. Well, this is the beauty of it. The only thing you have to do to activate this is turn it on. So it's, uh, well, well, with the dog one, this, this is the dog. It's a little, it's a little speaker unit. Okay, there you go. Everything's, everything's preloaded onto it. Rechargeable batteries, and there's a uh, toggle switch here. So you just switch that on, and just and have it in the vicinity of the dog. Now, what we uh, we have blue for dogs because these are all differently uh, different music, and with the uh, the citron color for the cats. Now, with the cats, what actually happens, and it happens with the dogs, when you place it there, the cats will come and lay next to it. Mm-hmm. They uh, they they like the vibration, but they like the sound because it's actually soothing and they feel safe in this. So now we uh, we have uh, a lot of the cat fanciers around Australia using it in their show cages because cats get highly stressed at shows, and as soon as they stress, they're eliminated from competition. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, so that's sort of saved the day for them. But more important is you know what happens at home. You know. Uh, Because when you go away and you have separation anxiety, well, you can just play this music and calm your dog into a uh, calm state.
0: All right. Um, You've got two other colours.
1: Yeah, two other colours. The uh, black one is equine. That's for horses. And um, we've done our trials here, uh, particularly in stables. The trial was uh, conducted, put the horse in the stable overnight, uh, two days with no pet tunes and two days with pet tunes and observe the difference. The uh, difference was when there was no pet tunes, the stables were a complete mess in the morning, which meant that the horses were agitated and walking around and kicking up the uh, straw and their droppings. Um, The day that the pet tunes was on, come in the morning, the stables were totally clean. Now that actually showed the horses actually slept that night. And that's a, that's a huge issue for horses, you know, having rest. Um, in this particular trial, and I didn't ask for it, uh, the um, trainer used it actually in the paddock. And they had a number of horses there. One of them is a Shetland pony. And if anyone's worked with Shetlands, they can have attitude. And she hung it up in the tree. And this little Shetland did have an attitude with a couple of the other horses. But when she came back to the paddock, all the horses were actually laying on, laying on the ground underneath the tree listening to the music. So it was um, quite, a, quite an impressive result, I thought, you know, for, for doing that. The other, uh, the other one here is the silver one is for avian birds. Uh, birds are the most social of our uh, pet creatures. And a lot of them suffer anxiety, which is displayed by feather picking, uh, constant uh, yelling, crowing and such. And they need other birds to talk to. So the music that's on here is mainly forest sounds of birds having a conversation. And when they're playing the, uh, the bird music, the, uh, the birds, you can actually see them. They'll just go into a relaxation mode and move up and down and then start talking to the, to the uh, speaker.
0: So that's, that's quite ne- interesting. That's neat. Given that this is in Australia, is there uh would this be a global type of a product? Like are there Australian birds yes, on it's, here?
1: It's it's distributed in America, okay, Europe. And uh we've just got a distributor now, a veterinarian down in Argentina and um, Chile.
0: Okay. Well that's where, that's wide open mm-hmm. then. Um one of the things I was just wondering about is the I guess the intervention timing on something like this. So if you've got a a dog that's early in stage, like you said, four, four weeks to sixteen weeks, I think you said. So well, that's 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 early. the
1: time you, you you can train. Not many people train their dogs in that period. Okay, but that's the time uh, they will pick up all their bad behaviours.
0: Um, but but the soothing aspect or the um, the anti anxiety effect of this positive effect can happen later in life. Like it can just ease. Yes. Later.
1: Ages. is not a problem. With the uh, the pet and felines, we have a uh, cat rearing program. Uh, going now, where the uh, cats during mating have played the music, uh, are, during the birth the music is played and during their rearing period the music is played. One of the difficulties with cats is that when they're transferred out of the litter to their new home, they go into a, a high anxiety state, you know, and won't eat for uh, two or three days mm-hmm. and uh, even disappear on, on uh, owners. Uh, with this, the uh, the music, music has actually alleviated that problem. So they're just transferring straight, and this is including air flights. Uh, they'll go onto the air flight to the new home, and as soon as they get there, they're starting to eat and interact with the
0: family. Mm. Yeah, I, I think we were chatting before a little bit about the, I guess, some of the local studies, perhaps. I think it was a Perth-based study on more of the... Um uh, another aspect of cats. Could you just highlight that? Yeah, that look, th-
1: this, is, this is really a, a, uh, a new revelation for, uh, for us, is cats are actually uh, dying from uh, FIV, which is a feline immune deficiency virus, very similar to a coronavirus. And uh, it's having drastic effects on cats. And uh, the outcome up until recently has been no cure. Uh, there has been a lot of research done in that area. Um, but one of the uh, triggers for the virus is stress. And uh, the stress in the, in the kittens particularly is activating a mutation of the FIV virus. And uh, to, to remedy that, there is a, a medication now, it's a vial injection that needs to be conducted every day for 84 days. And then there's an 84-day of observation period to see whether the cat has actually reached recovery stage. Now, if you've tried to inject a cat, you'll know that that's not an easy task. But to do it 84 days consistently has uh, caused a huge amount of stress to the owners of the cats. It's an expensive operation uh, to do, but you know cat owners are very dedicated to their animals. So we've just now completed one trial uh, of a cat uh, contracting the uh, FIV. Uh, it was actually a delayed uh, uh, diagnosis because the previous vet didn't diagnose or recognise the, the, the symptoms, and the uh, the cat actually you know bloated very hard in the stomach, couldn't eat or urinate, and the owner was highly stressed. Now. Uh, we actually put a Pet tunes into, into that uh, cat's cage and uh, to do the injections. Now, this was in Western Australia in a remote area and it was an hour and a half drive each way to the vet and that was a stress for the cat to do that. So the Pet tunes was in the car uh, with, with the cat and the owner said, you know, that cat didn't budge. It, was, uh, it relaxed all the way. The day she forgot to take the pet tunes was a different story. Wow. Yeah, it was different. Now, um, the uh, science papers are now actually being written for that that particular study, and um, we'll we'll start another one, uh, fairly soon in that same manner. But we also have another research program going on, measuring the cat's vitals playing music and not playing uh, the pet tunes music. Now this is done through a special collar that actually measures the blood temperature, the heartbeat and all the vital signs and is transmitted back to um, a location in Europe where that is then documented and we can actually measure and see how the music affects the cat's internal um, behaviour. Now uh, we've completed a study on five obsidian cats in South Australia, and the results have come back that it's significantly changed their temperament to a calmer temperament. So that study is now in continuation with a, with another cat breeder to uh, see whether we can replicate those
0: results. Wow. Um, so you've got Australian-based research, but global connections to... Oh, technology is wonderful uh, these days. Okay, wow, you're plugged into it. Um... Just on that front, I mean, a lot of these these topics would be interesting for people, pet owners, but then pr- perhaps even specialists that are looking at behavioral oh, aspects.
1: Oh, look, uh, uh, it is, and um, the uh, the FI the is uh, recovery is very new. Like for instance, the medication injections were really only available mid December, so it's not even over a month ago. Uh, so for veterinarians to come on board with that, it's going to take a little bit of time because, you know, they need research study papers and they need to be published for this too. But some of them have co- uh, have uh, come forward very quickly to uh, accommodate the uh, distribution of the, uh, of the drugs. Mm.
0: Fantastic. Um, I'm curious about how, like you mentioned the US in terms of, um, I think you traveled there yes. uh, and uh, experienced some of the things overseas. Uh, are you... Is that something you do frequently, uh, network or inter, oh, inter-
1: uh, oh, network frequently. Yeah, don't travel frequently <laughs> anymore But uh, because we can't get out to do that. Um, but, yes, yeah, always always
0: in, uh, looking in to be in contact with experts. Um, and the component to the – even though this is a, uh, a passion that you've started up and now you've pr- probably got a lot going on, um, are there certain areas that you will be focusing on next? Like you mentioned, uh, like the trade shows can have a level of um, – Networking and so on.
1: What- uh yes, we were, we were doing a number of trade shows and uh, veterinary conferences uh, in the, the past three years. Uh, they're are expensive operations to uh, to to go to the trade shows, and uh, they're they're very suitable for broadening the idea and broadening your knowledge. Um, but when COVID has came about, a lot of those were cancelled. So it's allowed us. Uh, well, it's allowed me particularly to actually research other areas of how we can transmit knowledge, and uh, communicate uh, with directly with pet owners who have got the the problem. You know, like with the FIB or the FIP, as I uh, refer to it as well. You know, there are dedicated Facebook pages for people to uh, have discussions of how to handle and treat that. And I, I've, I follow those regularly to sort of see uh, where where owners are at the moment and really at the moment they are, uh, you know, in a, in a pretty stressed state knowing what to do mm. to, to help their animals.
0: I can see the potential for sure. Um, and I'm, I'm just thinking of... Um you know, the immediate benefit would be you've got, I think, animal wor- welfare leagues and existing uh, bodies and so on yes, like Yes, the, uh,
1: the animal rescue uh, unit, uh, they, they run their own conferences, uh, which also includes council management, animal management, uh, to uh, spread knowledge in how to, uh, uh, to manage animals in shelters. And really, in the last 12 months, there's been some revolutionary changes in that area. Um, Another area too is quarantine. uh, Animals coming in and out of Australia have to go through quarantines. And uh, uh, the way that they're they're managed within the quarantine
0: services is taking um, dramatic change too. Mm. That might just be a little bit of a fun topic for people to be aware of. So. Uh, people traveling and they want to travel with their pets. So are you up to speed on what can and can't be done in Australia? Or is there certainly certain... What do you mean, traveling? If you brought your pet from overseas, I know there's been some high-profile cases in the media, but people bring their pet uh, into Australia, there's a quarantine period for both the owner and the pet, or is it the The
1: quarantine quarantine is for the animal because it's a biosecurity concern, Mm -hmm. right? So... um, um, the, the instance uh, that happened, uh, uh, what was it, last year or the year before, um, was uh, a really a deliberate avoidance, in my opinion, of following the quarantine regulations. Now, I don't think people in other countries appreciate Australia's uniqueness. You know, we are a continent surrounded by water and uh, we have a... Uh, an agricultural system uh, here, which is highly susceptible to diseases. And if it gets out of control, it is a huge cost to um, people like ourselves. You know, the, we pay the government, mm. the government pays for the cost. So uh, I'm very much pro for, uh, you know, having good, strong quarantine procedures. Now, for uh, for domestics uh, animals to come into, this Australia, into Australia is generally pretty good. We've got a number of uh, organizations who actually organize the carry carrying of the animals through through the uh, airports and uh, uh, picking them up and delivering them. And I've, I think you know we've we've still got a lot to learn, but there's a lot of progress. you know there's a lot of positivity within the uh, communities who are analyzing this both with Australia and and the U.S. They're working together to give uh, have better services. So and and with technology now, that's um, that's sort of another game changer again.
0: That's that's interesting. I mean, it's a unique view into the you know there's there's the pet ownership and then the, the responsibilities and just the the onwards effects. It's not just uh, you know the it's not a simple task to to keep a happy pet, is it? Is it? Uh, or would no, you say uh,
1: Well, I, as, as a, a when you say it's not a simple task, it sort of is. Okay. But we make it complicated. Uh, you know, for the animal, you know, they work on their immediate environment. You know, what's you know, is it a safe environment or is it a threatening environment? And if they're unsure or they're confused, it's a threatening environment. So they'll try and work out behaviors to compensate for that. If it's a safe environment, they'll go into relaxation and, and feel fairly content.
0: I wonder if I can see uh, Murph's just nodded off there and uh, seems pretty relaxed, so...
1: Must be my talking.
0: You've done well, <laughs> Ron. Uh, this has been great. Thank you for sharing your insights. We'd love for people to be able to follow what you what you will be up to next. Um, is there a place where we should look? Whether it's your website or
1: uh... yeah, look come on you yeah, come on the website that's one thing. Uh, but you know, if people want to connect with me um, uh, personally, they're they're most welcome to do that. I do run a Instagram page uh, for Ron Pierre. Uh, we also have the Instagram page for the Pet Karma. Facebook page for the pet karma, and if uh, also LinkedIn, they can uh, find me on LinkedIn. Wonderful. I'm not so active on LinkedIn, but I'm certainly very active on the uh, the social pages of Instagram and and Facebook.
0: Wonderful. Well, we'll definitely share those links out, and people can uh, join the conversation. I think it's just the start of the awareness for. Well, if I can
1: uh, if I can actually help people just to understand how to. Uh, communicate with their animal that would be a big a big step for me because uh, most of the problem is just this lack of understanding and the the uh, the dogs particularly and the cats they are very set in the way that they actually communicate so once you understand that you can alleviate a lot of these uh, anxiety issues
0: beautiful Ron Pierre thank you very much for your time
1: Most welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Aussie Ambitions podcast. We appreciate your support and welcome your input. So if there is a topic that you would like to see covered, please let us know via our website, aussieambitions.com, or any of our social media accounts. And please subscribe to receive all of our updates. We hope that you picked up some helpful tips helping you to get to where you want to go. And if you've got a story to tell and are able to come for a visit, definitely get in touch.